Welcome to the Fisher's Second Ward Podcast. This is a podcast to help members of the Fisher's Second Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get to know their neighbors in the ward. The ideas and thoughts that we share aren't necessarily a reflection of the official doctrines of the church. We just hope to strengthen our friendships and our faith by sharing our stories. Thanks for listening, and let me introduce you to a member of the ward. Actually, this time it's two members of the ward that I'm going to introduce you to. We have Elder Butler and Sister Butler, who were um, conned, maybe, <laughs> into coming over. Uh, they're the uh, missionaries, a couple of missionaries that is, they've been serving in the ward for. How long have you guys been here? We arrived in June. June of? Of last year. Last year, so almost a year. Yeah. Nice. And how long is your assignment? 18 months. So... We're almost half done. We're over half done. Over half done. Almost wow. A, almost a year, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Butlers. Let's start with you, Sister Butler. Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about your story. Um, well, let's see. Both of us, are. we've lived all over. We've, we got married when we were in, um, we lived in Highland, Utah to begin with. Okay. And then we moved to Hudson, Ohio, which is a suburb of Akron, Ohio. All right. Not too far from here. Then we moved to Columbus, Ohio. And then to Chicago, Illinois, and then to Sandy, Utah. So you're a little familiar with the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, nice. Our two, our youngest daughters are in, um, they are Midwesterners. They were born in the Midwest. Okay. Yeah, we lived here in the Midwest for 14 years. Nice. So I'm not going to ask you which is better, the Midwest or Utah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I've lived in 10 states, and there's always good things and bad things about everywhere you live. That's true. Yeah. So aside from your mission, have you lived in Indiana before or, j- or just kind of nope, just on both sides? All right. Yep. Very good. And how long were you in Utah before you came out here? Uh, we moved there in 20, uh, 2011. Okay. And so then... I guess 10 came, years. 10 years. About yeah. 10 years. So, and uh, what else? What else is in your, your story? How did... Well, I'll ask that later. Elder Butler, what's your story? In one sentence or less. My story, wow. I, you know, that's a really great question. In one sentence or less. We could probably go with the less. <laughs> um, gosh, I, um, my story is that uh, we really looked forward to this mission for, you know, all of our lives and we're excited to be here. So how, what, what got you thinking about serving a mission? Well, I served a mission when I was a youngster. Okay. And um, so I, since that time, I've always wanted to serve another mission um, or three. Or three. Or four. Nice. So where'd you serve as a, as a young missionary? I was called to the Canada-Calgary mission. Okay which um, was not very exciting for me when I opened my call because uh-huh. my mother is from Alberta. Nice. And actually, my grandparents were there when we opened the call, and they were so excited I was coming to the mission where they lived. Uh-huh. And I was not excited at all about that because <laughs> I'd been there so many times I wanted to go someplace really foreign. But it turned out great because I actually I lived seven ho- uh, four houses down from them for seven months. Wow, on your mission? On my mission. Wow. And um, so um, when we didn't have anything to eat, we'd, <laughs> so, I'd you call her and say, Grandma, we don't have anything to eat. And she'd say, come on over. And we'd go over and she'd nice. fix something for us. And we'd have meetings at her house and um, 
you know, Christmas and uh, she did my laundry and ironed my shirts. Fantastic. And the missionaries for 10 years after I left until she finally said, I'm too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> for 10 more years, she's a host of missionaries, huh? Uh, did, their, did their laundry. Nice. Hosted meals and laundry and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Christmases, everything? I'm not sure. Okay. Very nice. So you've had this desire to serve a second, third, fourth mission for a long time. How about you, Sister Butler? What is your what what got you thinking about serving a mission? Elder Butler. That's a good a That's good rest, a good reason. <laughs> two words, Elder Butler. <laughs> I didn't serve when I was younger. Uh-huh. Um, but w- when we got married, he he was always talking about serving a mission okay forever and actually several missions i didn't think it would be when we were so young right but um what a year into covid he said i'm done working yeah so he retired and said okay it's time to go on a mission and i was thinking no it's <laughs> that's a little early yeah and um and he wanted a, a big adventure and, and I was, wasn't quite ready for that because okay. we still had two daughters in college uh-huh. and I wasn't ready to be so far out of reach okay. for them. So big adventure meaning something foreign, something... Yeah, like, like let's go Africa. to Africa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, here we are in Indiana. Uh, which is a, maybe a medium adventure. <laughs> I think it's pretty far down the totem pole when it comes to adventure, but, but it's a gr- it was a great a gr- place to start. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It, I, yeah. I couldn't imagine a better, a better start to a yeah. mission. Now, have you been yeah. assigned to the Fisher second war the entire time? Yeah. Okay. And, you, and you'll, you'll we'll continue. finish here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. So the, I know that couples missionaries have a little bit more flexibility in how they're assigned and, and what they do. So what was that process like for you guys? How did you um, decide what you wanted to do? Did you choose, I want to be responsible for mission vehicles or what is it that? <laughs> so from my perspective, we were, we were um, having our, a Zoom interview with our stake president. Mm-hmm. Steve was in the, I should say, Elder Butler was in the den and I was in the kitchen. We we're on our own computers and um, having this Zoom meeting with our stake president and I laid out all sorts of conditions, uh-huh. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> because Keep the adventure level pretty low. <laughs> Including call the church and ask if we can go to our daughter's Big Ten Championships because she swims from Minnesota. Okay. And so um, we, if we were going to be nearby, we really wanted to go. Yeah. So... It was so funny. He says, okay, I'll call. <laughs> and he called and they said, like, we, we think so, but it's up to your mission president. Right. But I couldn't believe she asked him that, honestly. <laughs> but, but really, my, my, um, my biggest, so to speak, requirement, which is hilarious to think about, you know, here I am putting conditions on my mission uh-huh. for the Lord, for, you know, the, putting conditions on my service, um, was that I wanted to be within a six-hour flight okay. to where our daughters were. Our boys are old. They're, yeah. they're living their life. They're, they're fine. Um, but none of our children are married. Okay. And I didn't want to 
me. I didn't want my girls to feel like they were abandoned because right. they didn't have an in-law to, to fall back on and mm-hmm. a spouse and, you know, people to fall back on. And so that was a big deal for me. And, and I was a man. So I was like, well, they're fine. They're gonna- <laughs> And every woman I ever talked to about this, they were like, totally, they were completely in in alliance with me. And every guy was like, yeah, like they're they're adults. Like, seriously, they can can go with their brothers and sisters for Christmas. What's the big deal? (laughs) Plus, we said, like, well, if we we go someplace foreign, they can just fly over for Christmas. But but our daughter who swims, they do have very tight deadlines Mm -hmm. on how long they can be home. So anyways, it really was kind of a negotiation from beginning to end. Okay. It was like, okay, Africa's totally out. Okay. But we can go somewhere within 13-hour flight. And then it Sick. kept shrinking. <laughs> we agreed on 13, and then it kept shrinking and shrinking. I was like, maybe you agreed on 13, and then... Well, I thought we agreed. <laughs> but... In the end, it and, was good. And here we are. So Min- the University of Minnesota is a Big Ten school, uh-huh. a Big Ten championship or conference, I guess. And uh, and so here we are in the middle of Big Ten territory yeah. right here in Indiana. So, and you're close enough. It's less than a six-hour flight there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. well, that's fantastic. So did you get a chance to, to narrow down the, the geography or was it just kind of these are the requirements that we want and, and find something that's going to You fit? can narrow the geography. We... Though stated, we did not want to be in the U.S. Well, you missed that one. So, <laughs> like Sister Butler says, they'll send you where they want to. Right? That's right. <laughs> and this was the right. This was the right place for us. Yeah, that's good. And you know, we don't. Uh, you know, we had said we wanted to do a temple mission, mm-hmm. or we could be in the office, or uh, humanitarian, and uh, we ended up um, with the office mission, mm-hmm. and then the president assigns us what he wants us to do. Okay. So, um, have you, so talk a little bit about, well, I have two questions, but we're, we'll go with the, the mission question first. Um, talk about what you do in the mission and then also, um, oh, we'll go from there. You go first. Um, I manage the fleet and the bike situation and helps Mr. Butler, and she helps me when I get super busy. But um, managing the vehicles is a lot more involved than I ever thought it would be, hmm. you know. Um, and I get a lot of calls, you know, day and night uh, about issues with the cars. My grass card doesn't work. You know, I just had an accident. Uh, I have a flat tire and this kind of thing. Um, so it, it keeps me very, very busy. I really have no downtime. It's really a very full week. Mm-hmm. Um, probably 50 hours. Are you, are there, are you on call where if something were to happen, you could be pulled, um, off, off hours, evenings, weekends, that sort of thing? Yeah. My phone rings all the time. You know, the only time it doesn't ring is when the missionary's in bed. <laughs> Thank goodness for those mission rules. That- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't call me. It's after 1030. No, uh, but, you know, I don't uh, often go out to rescue missionaries, mm-hmm. um, you know, have roadside assistance or, you know, someone that's close to them really do that. Right. So I had a, uh, an experience. This was not a missionary experience, but uh, our middle daughter 
was driving with her roommate from Idaho to California. And Nevada is a big state of nothing. Yeah. And she called me at one point and she said, Dad, what, what does it mean if the temperature gauge is showing like all the way hot? And I said, that means it's not good. <laughs> and so the car died in, I don't remember the name of the town, but it was the middle of nowhere. And my sweet wife laughed and said, this will be a good experience for her. <laughs> <laughs> and so her um, roommate's parents from California drove out and met him, but that was a day later. Turns out they were um, in, a, a, I don't know, the stake that they happened to be in geographically as they the car died. But there's a calling in that ward or in that stake of rescuers. And so there's this man and his 16-year-old son who drove to wherever they were and helped get them to a city and get the car towed. And they had a place to stay and food and things like that. Wow. Yeah. The 16-year-old son was not super happy about it. It must happen a lot. <laughs> it sounds like it Boy, does. yeah. So it sounds like you're not doing a lot of that, but you're handling... No, they're really too far. It's easier to... It's And faster, actually, to have others help them a little closer to home. Okay. And Sister Butler, what, are you, what is your assignment in the mission? I'm the mission secretary. Okay. And I just do a lot of little things. I, um, I help prepare the mission for the incoming missionaries. Mm -hmm. I help prepare the outgoing missionaries with their travel, with their um, everything that for their for the end of their mission. Mm -hmm. um, I handle... Scheduling. Uh, yeah, I handle scheduling food. anything for the president that needs the, the president page needs done mm -hmm. or sister page. Um, yeah, the all the meals that were for zone conferences and um, other conferences that the mission has with their leader training and such. Um, I'm supposed to get the mail. I never do. I shouldn't say that. Say that as never. I rarely remember to get the mail. It's usually the financial secretary who ends up being tired of waiting for me to remember to get the mail, or Elder Butler. Okay. <laughs> so, but that is technically my responsibility, but it's one of my downfalls. Well, we got to have a downfall or two every. I think every so. I think so. So just, uh, just. Every, Things that are not part of, uh, we have a housing coordinator, so things that are not housing or not finance and not autos is is my is my gig. Okay, so a lot of everything. There's just yeah, it's, it's just lots of little things. Calls from parents, you know, there's all yeah. kinds of stuff it's, going on. Yeah, I'm usually very very busy, but I do have my downtimes now. That's good. I didn't used to, but when the president's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> The fewer missionaries we have coming in and going home is um, really eases things. Yeah. But at the beginning, it was about uh, three months of, oh, wait, I'm supposed to do that? Oh. Oh, wow. I'm supposed to do that? Oh. You know, yeah. this Welcome kind of thing. The, <laughs> the, the new assignment. Yeah. yeah. So how many, on an on a average month or average transfer, how many missionaries do we have coming in and going out? We've had um, as many as 30. Wow. And as few as... Five. Okay. Just right now, we have very few numbers coming in and going home. Um, but most of the time, it's around 15 to 20. Okay. It's really like average, I'd say. So, yeah, that would, that would definitely keep you busy. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
have have these been your assignments for the entire time you've been here, or has it uh, adjusted? Yeah, there's been the we've yeah we've done the same thing since we've okay. been here. Well, um, so when I came in, um, half of my responsibilities were handled by um, office elders. Okay. That um, when they, um, I guess President Page brought in office elders to handle a lot of things mm-hmm. during COVID to give them more things to do. Right. Um, and so a lot of a lot of things I do now are things that the office elders used to do. Um, and also, I was also the baptism secretary um, okay. and handled all the baptism records of newly baptized members. But that's all handled differently now, too, just in the last month. Wow. The church has changed how to do that. So I'm no longer the baptism secretary. It's electronic now. Yeah. So the church is moving a lot to electronic things. I remember yes. as a missionary, mm-hmm. we would have this um, multi-part half sheet type, uh, it might have been the recommend, but we would fill that out, and I just knew that magically the record was created. It yeah, just it, happened. Yeah, it was that way until a month ago. Okay. So now it's all handled electronically. I know that yeah. uh, ordinations and things like that are, are done electronically as well, so that's it's nice to see that the technology is being used in the church to simplify right. yeah. some things. So um, you, you mentioned that you retired, Elder Butler. What, is it, what were you doing before your mission life? I was always in uh, consumer credit. Okay. Um, worked for several banks, but most of my career was with Discover. Okay. And I managed large operation centers. So um, call centers, a lot of... Yeah, okay. uh, customer care centers, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. I have had uh, call center experience and mm. customer care. So I don't know if it's the same. I did call centers. But uh, how long were you in that industry? Uh, since I graduated from University of Utah. Okay. So University yes, my, of Utah. My entire, yeah, my entire uh, career. And Sister Butler, what was your what was your pre mission life? My pre mission life was taking care of the house. Okay, I was a housewife. That's good. How many kids? Yeah. Four. Four kids. Mm-hmm. That'll uh, and the boys you don't have to worry about. That's <laughs> right. Well, we, we never stop worrying about them, actually. <laughs> we actually worry more about them than the girls. Yeah, I can understand that. I've got two boys. Or, no, I have three boys. I have three boys. Holy cow. I have two at home. So there's, there's my, that's my excuse for not remembering how many kids I have. Uh, and I have two girls that are also not at home. But yeah, um, I don't know that you stop worrying about them. No. Mm-hmm. And you see some of the silly things that they do and you think... It must have been your mother who taught you that because it wasn't. They give us good reason to worry. <laughs> but it was never their mother who taught them. It was always their father. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Actually, in our family, so both Steve and I are widowed. Okay. And so we each brought our, a son to our marriage. Okay. And our son's bad characteristics are always blamed on their, their parent that had passed away. Which sounds fair. Yeah. Always. We didn't, we didn't easy, give them yeah. any of our bad characteristics. No. <laughs> so Marcin has not yet agreed to be on the podcast, but I'm going to tell stories enough over the course of this podcast that people will get to know her. And she likes to introduce me as... And we got married at age 21-ish, around there. And she always... She likes to introduce me as her, 
her, or her she introduces the kids as her first husband's children, <laughs> and which is technically true, but it also kind of absolves her of some of the craziness that they sometimes will bring to bring to the table. <laughs> so, two two sons. You each brought a son, and then um, both widows. Two daughters. Two daughters. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so how long? How long were you married when when your spouses passed away? Not to each other, but how? Um, I was married three and a half years. Okay, so it was a new marriage. Mm-hmm. I was yep. uh, almost seven. Okay, so also fairly new marriage. Yeah. So how is that? Um, you now now have both had a marriage, a death of a spouse, and now a second marriage. How is that, um, has that made things uh, simpler in ways, more difficult in ways? Blending families is, is certainly complex. Blending families, I think, is hard anytime, even though our boys were pretty young. Um, when we first met, you know, they were two and four. Okay. When we got married, they were four and six. And so, you know, I've known John um, since he was two, Mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, that does change things to some extent. But, you know, um, my parents are divorced, so we have, we had five sets of grandparents. Okay. And um, our belief was you can never have enough people who love your children. Right. And so we've stayed close to all of um, our families. And so um, that can get a little bit complicated sometimes, but they've all been really, really great to um, to work with and be with and so on. And, you know, the, we kind of see it as, um, you know, they're our spouses are part of our lives. So mm-hmm. we talk about them all the time. Right. We, you know, so sometimes I have to tell people like, you know, it, we're, we both talk about them all the time. So it's okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if Margot tells a story about her husband, everyone's looking at me like in horror, like, I can't believe she's doing that <laughs> or vice versa. Right. You know, we have to say like, you know, it's okay. We do this all the time. It's, right. they're just part of our life. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's great. And it, um, I think a lot of times I've been thinking a lot about the 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 phrase that we hear in the scriptures to comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And sometimes what we think that means is is I want to say something to you that makes me feel better rather than comforts you. And sometimes when there are uncomfortable or awkward situations, it's just really easy to to um, say something that's that's just not it's not really designed to, to help somebody feel comfortable. And, and I think, especially when you have that kind of a, a blended family, having those, those open conversations and being okay, bringing up the fact that, that you are widowed, widowed or that you have some of these um, uh, non-traditional family dynamics can really ease some of, some of the anxiety that people have in, in raising those yeah. Uh, yeah. types of situations. And I think um, our... Our parents and our siblings did a really good job of including everyone. Mm-hmm. Like um, all, like our two daughters, they always felt just as full as grandchildren as the two boys uh-huh. with their with their deceased parents. Yeah, or with their deceased parents' parents. 
So it was, and you know, we didn't, we didn't have the dynamic of you're not my mom or you're not my dad. So you can't, you can't discipline me that way. We, we didn't have those kinds of challenges, I think because we had, they were so young Mm -hmm. um, and we were really blessed that way. Yeah. That can make a big difference. Yeah. And I think our, our old, our daughters, um, I think they were pretty old before they ever asked me, so what is, what are John and Scott to us? Mm-hmm. You know, there was never a, there are half sibling or our step sibling or whatever. Right. It was, it was my brother and my sister yeah. always. It, they were very, very old before they even understood the concept of. of kind of a blended of a, family. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, and having that family support, I think, uh, can make a big difference mm-hmm. as well. So, well, that's, that's fantastic. So how long have you been married to each other? 26 and a half years. Yeah, survived. I have said, Marcy and I have been married. Um, we're going to be at 32 years next month. And um, I better make sure that that's right. But I've just believed that the first uh, 10 or 12 decades are the hardest. So <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're about a third of the way into that. <laughs> It may not be as hard as it uh, for me as it is for her. I I tend to make things more <laughs> more challenging than than I need to sometimes. So, mission about uh, a year in. Are you up for another one, Sister Butler? Yeah. Still within a six-hour flight, or are you open to <laughs> stretching it out? Well, I think bit? by the next one, um, all my kids will be out of college, mm-hmm. so. They'll at least be moved on to their real lives. So you can abandon them a little so bit more. So I can, yeah. I, can, I, I don't think it'll be quite the abandonment as, as this one would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fun. What, um, Elder Butler, you talked about uh, Africa. What kind of, when you talk about an adventurous mission, what, are, what does that mean to you? I would love to go on a humanitarian mission. And actually, it doesn't have to be Africa. Um, it could be you know, Southeast Asia or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, any of the English-speaking um, countries in Africa or other places, be, and, or I'd be interested in learning another language, I'd be good with that. Yeah. So um, I'm just really interested in doing some type of humanitarian work. So do you speak another language, or have you studied any of that, aside from English uh, and Canadian? Um, I had <laughs> English and Canadian. Um, I did s- study Hebrew. Okay, and really? I, yeah, and because um, I, I went on a study brought to Israel many years ago, uh-huh. and um, also Spanish in college, but I really don't speak either one. Okay. So Hebrew. How was? How long was your your study of Hebrew? About a year. Okay. Yeah. And um, I've listen to some podcasts where people have, have talked about their study of Hebrew. What is that what has that done with your understanding of the scriptures, if anything? Has that opened that up at all? Well, I would say between um, that and my I lived six months in Jerusalem mm-hmm. and thereabouts. Um, and understanding Arab culture really helps you to understand the Old Testament. I bet. Because it's actually very similar, uh-huh. um, even to this day, as as it was back in the biblical times. In, in sort of more traditional, um, you know, Muslim areas, mm. but um, yeah, Hebrew language too is it's very um, useful in like 
looking at um, names and so on, um, or helping me to understand like some of the things that they're saying, even though they're translating to English. Right. So um, as we're studying the Old Testament right now, what are some things that have have resonated in a different way because of your time in, in Jerusalem or your time studying Hebrew? Well, you know, there's a lot of Orthodox Jews in uh, Jerusalem, mm-hmm. um, more so probably than in um, a lot of other areas of Israel. Uh, and just sort of understanding their um, the way that they think about um, the scriptures mm-hmm. and about the holidays and their understanding of the laws and so on, I think is um, does add a lot to it. Um, you know, when you sort of think about um, some of the words and so on, you know, um, for instance, anytime you see like an I am at the end of a, a name or whatever, em, mm-hmm. uh, that that's plural. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and that is always very interesting as you sort of like look at the you know Elohim right. means really the gods. The gods. Yeah. Um, um, cherubim or you know angels, uh-huh. not one. It's not just one. Yeah. It's so anytime you see that, it's you know very interesting. That could be really uh, that could, that could really change how you um, how you understand some of those um, Old Testament stories to to make that a plural. Yeah, and, and actually the um, you know the Book of Moses where you say the gods, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of interesting how that sort of like goes hand in glove there. Yeah, that's true because it's that's something that um, I don't remember that being taught when I was growing up in seminary and things like that, I was probably asleep during a lot of those classes, but <laughs> um, that really could add some, some depth to understanding. Yeah. Anytime you see the, the word L E L in a word that means God. Okay. So there's a lot of words there that have God in them. Yeah, that's true. And the meanings of, of names, names always had a lot of meaning to mm-hmm. them. Um, which are not always explained. Sometimes they are, but not always in the scriptures. And that's right. always very, it's quite interesting. That is interesting. So it's, now I'm, I'm thinking, hmm, hmm, maybe I should study some uh, some Hebrew, some other languages. I've, I know sign language in Portuguese, but yeah. that uh, doesn't do a lot for Old Testament understanding. So what about you, Sister Butler? Do you speak another language, or do you... I don't. Well, we can, we can change that. <laughs> <laughs> we can fix that. Would you be open to, uh, to learning a language or going to a, a place where you would be um, in the minority if you didn't speak another language? Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of places. I went with Edison a couple of years ago to Europe, and... and I speak Portuguese, so I was able to get by there, but we also went to Italy, and I have no idea what they're saying in Italian. And we went to France, and I don't understand French either. So we figured out how to say thank you in those languages. But um, yeah, there were, there were times that I just felt totally lost. But there are also um, plenty of people who were able to, to talk to us. Yes. Yeah, you know, there's, 
English is just it's such is a such a worldwide language mm-hmm. that you know when you're traveling abroad, it's you, there's always somebody that can help you. Yeah, the, the, with the exception of Spanish-speaking countries, Spanish-speaking countries don't tend to have a lot of English speakers. Interestingly enough, I think they speak more more English than they let on. Perhaps the thing that I found interesting when we were, in, especially in Portugal, when I could communicate with these people in my broken and very rusty Portuguese is they wanted to practice their English. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to practice my Portuguese. Yes. So we got along just fine. When we were in Portugal, um, I walked into a store and this, this shopkeeper immediately started speaking English to me. Uh-huh. And so I asked her why she assumed that I didn't speak Portuguese. And she says, you don't look Portuguese. You're too, way too tall for that. And you, so I figured you're either an American or you are Dutch. Okay. And and I figured if you were Dutch, then you spoke English anyway. So right. English is the safest one to choose. Yeah, it is pretty safe. And I had there were a lot of times that people would come up to me and just start talking in English. And yeah. But I think that um, f- most people, I it used to be that when you traveled, you looked American. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's that much it's so evident anymore because the world has become so, um, homogenous. Yeah. 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 There are definitely styles and things like that that are different, but yeah, we don't stand out like we used to when we we would go specifically to Europe. Yeah. You know, kids all over the world wear New York t-shirts. I mean, right. I Mm -hmm. mean, t-shirts with, you know, American themes and so on on them. I mean, you really, yeah, they don't really look that different. Yeah, you walk down the street, and and half of what comes out of someone's mouth, like half of the same, half of a sentence out of the same person's mouth, is in Dutch <laughs> and English together. That's right. Or German and English. I mean, it's all a sentence is made of several languages all at once. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fascinating. As a missionary, that was great because if I was with an American companion, because we could just mix up the. English and the Portuguese, and we knew all the words, and so it, it worked out. It worked <laughs> out. <laughs> so multiple missions, um, are you, is there a, uh, a plan that you're looking for for how, um, how much time between missions and then moving on, or do you want to kind of gear up to the, the high adventure, or what are you thinking? We just haven't really talked about it much. Um, I guess when it feels right. Okay. You know, we've... Um, we've got a lot of pent up, uh, we love to travel. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of my hobby is planning and, uh, traveling. And Isn't so that great to have yes. a spouse that does all the planning yes. and all the travel, <laughs> everything. And then you get the benefit of, that's right. Of my the travel without all the traveling. work. <laughs> oh, dang. So I do the traveling. She, we, um, we're talking, this is, so the Indianapolis temple and the Lisbon Portugal temple were announced the same day. And when the Lisbon Temple was gearing up for their open house, I was really interested in going. It was kind of a pie-in-the-sky type thing. But we were out at breakfast, and, and I told Marcine, I think, I'd, I think I'd like to go to the open house. And she said, well, have fun. <laughs> okay, sounds like permission. <laughs> and since I can fly uh, standby for really right? cheap, yeah. I was able to, I did a quick re- weekend trip to Lisbon and, got to the open house it was fantastic nice but yeah she's very <laughs> are you busting stuff up yes, you are. breaking the equipment 
so it was it was great that she was um she's just been very very supportive and uh i don't i don't feel like i don't feel like i have to miss out on stuff because of her interest and and as soon as there's something that i can get her excited about i can probably convince her to go with me we've talked about alaskan cruises and Really, that's the only thing, the only cruise that she's interested in. So in all your travels, Elder Butler, what are, what are some of your favorite trips that you've taken? Favorite trips? Well, you know, this is not that exotic, but we always love Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii is just like one of the best places on earth. But other than that, you know, I think we love Italy. Um, we love Thailand. We were in New Zealand. That was, New Zealand is wonderful. Mm. I think each each place we've been has its highlight. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know every country just has so many fascinating things about it, and yeah. um, you know we don't tend uh, unless we go to Israel, we don't tend to go on a tour. Okay. Um, though I do hire you know tour guides for a day or whatever, but mm-hmm. we just had some amazing adventures. Um, you know to Machu Picchu, Peru and around and we've been to all six continents. Nice. And maybe we'll work on the seventh, who knows? But uh but we got Is that Antarctica that you've missed? Yeah. Okay. But uh we've got uh when we get home I think we've got five things lined up so far. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Um what what is your least favorite part about traveling? Um, my least favorite part about traveling is getting home and uh, I, you know, I used to have to have to go to work and I was still on a different time zone thing. So yeah. the jet lag getting home, I don't seem to have trouble with jet lag when I actually get to a place. Okay. It's when I get home, that seems to be more troubling. I was going to say that probably his least favorite is trying to talk me into going to scary places uh, it's true so scary what what do you mean by scary like um uh, well or? um let's see the first time we went to israel first time he wanted to go to israel there was it was there was all sorts of unrest and the jerusalem center was closed so i said no i'm not going there and then so i agreed to go when the jerusalem center opened so as soon as the jerusalem center opened he says hey it's open <laughs> we got to go now and and I was very nervous about going, but she said she I, said she wasn't going at first. Mm-hmm. But I'd always said since I lived there that I wanted my kids to be able to go. Right. I, I think it's just really important to go to Israel and and see. And so um, the boys were old enough, and I said, "Okay, it's time for, to go." And she said, "I'm not going to go." And I said, "Well, okay, but if you change your mind, we'd love to have you come." And she changed her mind gratefully, and it felt very safe. Yeah, good. Yeah. So you, yeah. you've been able to take your kids? Mm-hmm. We Yes. That's great. I think I've been to Israel five times, and um, yeah, we've taken all our kids. We I'm took tr- the boys first, mm-hmm. and then yeah. when they when the, our girls were older, then we took our girls. Okay. What's the age gap between the boys and the girls? Uh, eight eight years. years. Okay. Yeah. So I'm trying to talk her into Turkey. Okay. Um, she's a little resistant to that, but uh, you know, I've been to Istanbul, and Istanbul is one of the most amazing cities in the world it's absolutely amazing uh and also i'm trying to get her to go to sharm el sheikh um egypt which is on the red sea where that's the most amazing snorkeling in the world wow and um she's not 
she's not ready to go there yet either. Well, there's still time. There is still time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can go on like a surprise trip sometime. There you go. <laughs> Passport still valid. <laughs> so when you when you choose a place, how do you decide what you're going to do? Do you um, research on the internet? Do you rely on locals? Do you how do you decide what what you're going to do on your? Well, it's part of the fun for me is actually um, figuring out like what to do. So uh-huh. I do a lot of research um, and uh, try to figure out like what do we think would be interesting. If I go to Europe, I like Rick Steves. Yes. You know, um, I find that actually, if he says that it's good, I almost always like it. Okay, good. So um, I don't always stay in the places he says to stay, or he where I, in fact, never. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if he says that a place is is really interesting and a great place to go, um, we usually go there. And if he says it's it's not worth it, if we have gone there, we agree with him. <laughs> we call him Saint Rick. Yeah, Saint, Saint Rick. Rick. Yeah, <laughs> he does. I, I stumbled across him when I was uh, working on planning my Europe trip, and he, he's got some great some great information. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah. He's he's really good. But you know, there's a lot of information from other travelers on the internet, and mm-hmm. you know, other books and so on. So it's a lot of fun to sort of figure it all out. Yeah. So how long are your normal trips? Do you go for um, extended periods of time, or are they fairly standard week ish long trips? We tried to go for two weeks. Actually, we we really wanted to go to three, and uh, but I had a boss after my three week trip who said, like, you know, I think it'd be good if you went on two week vacations instead. <laughs> That's not very subtle. <laughs> no. It's also it, back in the day. It was hard to find somebody to watch the kids for more right. than two weeks. Yeah, yeah. that would um, be hard. But anyways. Well, yeah. If you have a hard time finding somebody to travel with you, I'll let I you know. might <laughs> work something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look up Sharm El Sheikh. <laughs> my father-in-law, um, so my mother-in-law passed away a couple of months ago, and my father-in-law is now starting to, sorry. to um, kind of expand his ideas of what his life might look like in, yeah. in his, uh, the next few years. So he's making a plans to go for a couple, I think three weeks, going out to Australia and New Zealand. And I told nice. him that uh, if you need a travel partner, I, I probably won't be able to work it out, but I would be tempted to try and work it out. Go for part of it. That would be fun. New Zealand's amazing. Yeah. That's what I've heard. In fact, we, uh, Steve was planning a trip for our whole family for, to New Zealand for his 50th birthday. Okay. Was, that was a 50. Oh, no, 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 no. Peru was the 50th birthday. I think it was 40th. 40th, okay. Anyway, we were taking all the kids, and we were going to do part in New Zealand and part in Australia, and and we just couldn't, we couldn't, we decided we couldn't do both and do it justice. Do it justice, right. So we just stayed in New Zealand the entire time, and what a fabulous country. Yeah, the kids always make fun of me because I had rented this house that we were going to stay in over Christmas. Mm-hmm. And this um, house was a Mexican hacienda style hacienda. Like, <laughs> we come all this way and now we're staying in, a, in like this Mexican <laughs> hacienda. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, do you like, do you like experiencing new uh, cuisine, yeah. new cultural things? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, um, our rule really is we try not to eat at um, no um, American-type places. Right. 
I do break that rule sometimes. Like I was in China for 10 days and seriously, I just couldn't take the food after like <laughs> five days. Okay. I think I, I'm okay with Chinese food, but you know, after five days I need a break. Right. So I went to Pizza Hut, went to <laughs> McDonald's, <laughs> anything that wasn't Chinese. <laughs> and I guess I can, I can, uh, I can get into that a little bit. When I was with uh, Edison in Europe, and he wanted, he just was really picky about the food that we ate. And I told him I did not fly out to Rome, to Rome right. to get Burger King. Yeah. And I can go two miles down the road and get Burger King. But, um, yeah, I think that if, if the, the food were getting old after a few days, I might be open to yeah. a trip to McDonald's. <laughs> and we were, when we were in uh, Portugal with the kids, um, we finally got so that we, we, only ate at places that had English um, menus, right? Because I, th- I think we had what three days of really bizarre <laughs> meals that we were just like, uh, yes. we need to know what we're ordering. Yes, that's yeah, that's helpful. We always laugh because we when we were in Peru, we went to this restaurant, and my son, my oldest son, who went to Portugal on his mission, uh-huh. he also speaks pretty good Spanish. But you know. Spanish is different in different places and like what they call things. And so we all ordered this breakfast and he ordered this thing and ours all came out. It was looked really delicious. His was toast. (laughs) 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 And he goes, well, where's my, they go like, there it is. It's, it's, you know, that's what you asked for. (laughs) Yeah. like (laughs) There's your toast. So we really roasted him on that. That was was funny. I took Edison and he, was uh, we figured out that there were a couple things that he really liked. He liked the bitoque, which is a pork steak with a fried egg on top and french fries. And you can get that just like here. You can go to a Mexican restaurant and get a burger. And in Portugal, you can go to almost any place and get a bitoque. And uh, so he was much happier once he figured out, okay, here's something I know I can get it. I know I'm going to like it. <laughs> so, But I like the idea also of being a little bit adventurous and, and finding some new things that um, I had never experienced before. So last question that I have, well, I have two more questions. Um, what else should the Fisher second ward know about the butlers? Silence. I know it's, I didn't think this was going to be the hardest question. <laughs> you guys like game night? We yes, do like game, game night. Um, yeah. What's your favorite game that you guys like to play? I like Mexican train. Okay. That's kind of our family game. That's yeah. actually the one that, that Steve tolerates the best. Okay. <laughs> that's probably, I think that's probably true. <laughs> our youngest is a, is a game girl. Okay. And, uh, and Steve's not so much. I mean, I like to play games so. once in a while, but she wants to play games like every Sunday night. Uh-huh. I like playing games that I can win. <laughs> <laughs> Really, I like to play games that I'm going to win. (laughs) (laughs) So what else should they know? Um, Well, I don't don't know. We love the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, We're excited to be here. Serving a mission is better than I thought it was going to be. Well, that's great. That's good. Yeah, it's been, you know, Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, working in the office is, I mean, we don't have the kind of experiences that a lot of the um, member leadership support Mm -hmm. um, missionaries have, but... In so many other ways, it's it's um, despite the fact that it's you know very clerical and very problem solving and so on, um, it's really been a really a, 
a great experience to see our te- my testimony grow and my knowledge grow and you know okay. it's it's really it's been so good for us that's great yeah. i would recommend it really, for everybody yeah it's really inspiring too to see how hard the missionaries work mm-hmm. you know those young missionaries they're just they're so resilient and they're so faithful and but they still have a lot of fun with each other and fun with the gospel mm-hmm. and and that's really that's been very inspiring to see how they how they work so hard to to serve the Lord and spread the gospel. That's great. So the last question I have, and I'll start with you, Elder Butler, which will give Sister Butler a chance to decide how she wants to answer, is how has serving your mission um, increased your understanding of the gospel or or your testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, one of the things that um, I've really enjoyed seeing is um, President Page and how um, revelation flows to him mm-hmm. and in um, where to place people, um, you know, how to s- solve issues and so on. And so um, I think that um, that's been one piece that I think has been really um, great for me. Mm-hmm. The second thing I think has been just, you know, whenever you're sort of like in the Lord's service full time, you just feel closer to him and, you know, inspiration, revelation just flows more and understanding, you know, really flows more. And it's really great to have an opportunity in life to, you know, feel that again. I mean, when I was on my mission, I felt that, but that was a long time ago, you know, and right. most of the rest of the time I've been involved in, you know, lots of other things. And, you know, I was a bishop, but I was still involved with, you know, work and all lots of other things. And this is just really immersive. And I, I have really loved that. That's great. And S- Sister Butler, what are, what are some ways that your mission has, has blessed your testimony? Um, I think that, um, one of the things that I've learned is is that um, the Lord there's that the Lord really values the one person and how much um, goes into bringing one person into the gospel. Mm. Um, that there's there is there are so many resources for these missionaries to use and. And I'm just one of those resources. Mm-hmm. And um, but watching the whole process from these missionaries coming from their homes and they're taking their own time to serve the Lord 100% of their their day, mm-hmm. and um, and they're maybe going to find one person who's who's going to join the church. Maybe they'll find more, but that that one person is that valuable to the Lord. Yeah, and. And the whole, the, just all the resources for for that missionary to be here, for us to be here, um, it's not it's not a cheap thing for mm-hmm. for the church to for the families and the church to be supporting as a whole each missionary, right? And um, and that just has really um, has really impressed me that that the church puts so much resources out there for the, to bring people to, to Christ. And that's very inspiring to yeah, me. Yeah, that's, that's neat. 
You know, one of the things that I've noticed that's different now than when I was on my mission is that the Lord seems to be moving um, upon people, and more people are actually coming in and of themselves mm. to the gospel or being led to it than, you know, when I was on my mission, when we had to really go out and find them. Right. It's, it's, you know, these mm-hmm. stories from the missionaries about how, you know, people come to them mm-hmm. and they feel, you know, you open the, they open doors or, you know, they see them and say like, you know, I was just praying about this, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not uncommon now for that type of thing to happen. It's, mm-hmm. and, you know, you see an ad on Facebook and they reach right. out or they see, um, you know, they, they see somebody that, hell, I have a book of Mormon in my, in my, on my shelf. I just pulled it out and here you are kind you know, of thing. It, you it's know, really interesting. It's amazing. 20% of all the people who are baptized, um, come from Facebook. Wow. It's, you know, it, it, it really is a way to bring people to Jesus Christ. And, you know, I think, I think as a, one of the things I've learned as a member is that, you know, what you, what we do and what we say, um, and what we put on Facebook or Instagram or whatever can really help bring people to the gospel. It's, it's so easy and it can be so natural. Mm Mm-hmm doesn't have to be forced. It, it doesn't can, have to be forced. It can be very natural. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, thanks so much for spending a few minutes letting us get a chance to get to know Elder and Sister Butler. And uh, thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. Thank thanks you. for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fisher Second Ward Podcast. Please share it with members of the ward or others who you think might be interested or might be enriched and blessed by listening to our stories. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.